Hello, everybody. I want you to know that I work in the tribes with middle schoolers because I love them. And I want you to know that they are dangerous, which is why I love them very much. I remember one time I was in, uh, working at the Portland Rescue Mission. I was in charge of the downtown mission, hanging out with some friends, and, and I had reorganized everything. Man, I had this thing on target. People were coming in, and we were washing their hands and taking their backpacks and, and getting them in and having some cool music, like 70s music, and putting them in, uh, getting food and giving them clothes, and this thing was rocking. I had 20, about 200 volunteers and 20 people feeding them. Every, it just it was rocking. And this old-time pastor comes in and goes, Hey, Tony. Yeah? You like the place? You want me to show you around? I painted it. He goes, yeah, it's nice. I go, do you like this where we give clothes out and they exchange? Goes, yeah, we can do shower. We can do. And I'm just going, bah, bah, bah. And he goes, this place feels safe. Well, what do you mean? He goes, oh, it's safe for you. I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I've been told I'm, you know, ugly. And they call me Flake. And he's like, really, why? Well, my name's Tony from Frosted Flakes, and they couldn't say all that, so they just went to Flake. And that's my name. On If I go to Portland right now, homeless people will go, Flake! And it's, it's a great thing. And so I'm there, and I'm saying, well, what do, you, what do you mean it's safe? He goes, it's too safe. You need to go where Jesus goes. I'm like, man, Jesus lives at this mission. Tell him, I'm telling you. He goes, no, no, you need, to, you need to get out. Get out. Yeah, you need to go out to them. Dude, it, that's a little... That, that's, that's a little dangerous out there, man. I don't know if you know what happens in Portland. He goes, you need to live it. So I took that, and I took it back to George Fox students came to see me, and I said, hey, college students, um, I'm going to change plans. I'm going to have you go out. And they're like, you first. I'm like, no, really, you were all go- we're going to get in groups of two. You're going to go find homeless people. You're going to meet them on the street. You're going to go where they live. You're going to go to their camps. I'm going to go with you at times, whatever it takes. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And we're all getting out of it, and we're going. And my first day out was not good. I uh, got to a park, and I'm like, yeah, mission dude right here. I decide whether you eat. I decide whether you sleep. And so I'm out there, and the people are like, hey, Flake. They're all waving, uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I see this guy running, and he's chasing another guy. And these girls are screaming. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. What's going on here? And then I realize he has knacks. I'm like, oh. That's not me. Uh, uh, anybody got a phone to call the police because that guy's going to kill that guy? And, and God's going, run. I'm like, I am going to run the other way. Uh, that's not what he meant. Um, he said, no, run to it. So <clears throat> being once a great time football player. Okay, that's not funny. That's not true. Not at all. Uh, I took off in my football move, 500 miles an hour or five. And, uh, and my legs are like cramping. I'm like, ah! But I'm still running. And I get to him, and it is a football boom wipeout. I took that dude down and was like, yeah! And he's like, ah! And the axe is right by my face. I grab the axe away from him. I'm going, yeah! Mess with me. What are you doing? He goes, I'm going to kill that guy. I go, not today, dude, because I have your axe. And we get up, and that guy comes back. His friends come. He comes. His friends come. The girls come, and now there's a, a, a hundred people grabbing and pushing and every shouting and yelling. But I'm the only one with the weapon. Yeah, so I'm good. I'm like, don't mess with me. Don't touch me. I'm telling you, I have the axe. <laughs> and I'm looking at it. It's like all dull. There's nothing to it. I'm like, this wouldn't even hurt me. And, and so finally, everything starts to settle down. And there's this guy behind me on the bike who I just think is a police officer. I'm just thinking, oh, it's a police officer. So I turn and hand him the axe. And all the people went, oh! 
And they all started backing up. I'm like, what? I turn around, and it is Paul. Not, not this Paul. <laughs> he could not do this. This is Paul, the hardest criminal in downtown Portland. He has already killed three or four people and got off and is loose, and I just gave him the ax. I'm like, oh, hey, Paul, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm gonna, I got a weapon. I'm going to kill somebody. Uh, anybody like somebody like else? <laughs> I literally was shaking. I'm like, mm-hmm. and all the other people are like, oh, he's stupid too. And they're backing up. I'm like, hey, now, come on. Uh, hey, Paul, you know, if you come by the mission, we could uh, work this out. And he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's humming, right? Some killer song. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not good. And then all of a sudden he backs up on his little bike, starts back up. And I'm looking at him like, just give me the act. And he just looked like, oh, whoa, what's going on? I don't know what he saw. I don't know if he saw a big demon or a big angel, but something scared him. Like, he just was like, uh, throws the axe down and runs off. And I turn around and go, yeah. And those people all ran. I'm like, hey, what is this? I don't know what it is, but something here is dangerous. From that time on, uh, life changed for me. Because I realized that living for Jesus is dangerous. We're going to look at that tonight. I have a, my favorite chapter, my favorite verse, my favorite everything. Because the fact is, uh, when you and I follow Jesus, uh, it turns our world upside down. Things never are the same. There's this deep transformation. There's this complete change in how we live, how we think, and how we love. When you and I commit everything to Jesus, he changes everything. And that is dangerous. That's why I'm so excited about this upcoming, uh, uh, the upcoming conference. I, I am zoned in for that. I have never been more excited about something big because here's what happens. When the most dangerous thing in this area is not crime, it's not COVID, it's not your grades, it's not the food in the calf where my wife works. Uh, it is by far the most dangerous thing in this area is when students... Start living for Jesus, and everything changes. Everything's going to change. It's the name of the conference for a reason. I want to see us raise the bar. I want us to say, what does it mean to live dangerously for God? And maybe that's the question we take home tonight. What does it mean to live dangerously for God? Well, I have a story, of course, (laughs) because you know me. Um... Let me give you a, let's just look at it. Let's just go with it, and you guys will go, okay, this is crazy. My craziest story ever is in Mark. So open your Bibles, chapter 4 of Mark. Matthew, Mark, second book there in the middle. What does it mean to live for Jesus dangerously? This is uh, one of my favorite stories of all times. All right, in chapter 4, we're going to go down to verse 35, and we'll start with that. On that day, when evening had come, it's the top of the day, this is Jesus, he says to them, let's go across to the other side. What? That's all it says. Well, you want to know where the other side is. What is the other side? Why would they go to the other side? What's on the other side? Now, we're not talking about death now. You know, we're not talking about something happening on your way to school today, like the other side of that. But this is the other side. Well, a little background for you. Uh, this, uh, Jesus has been with his disciples about nine months. So they're just starting to get in. They're not all in. They're not sure about everything. They've seen a few miracles, but not a ton. But they're, they're starting to get it. So here's what happens. They, um, 
they've basically been in Galilee. They've been going into synagogues. They've been hearing Jesus teach. He's done some healings, and they're kind of like, this is kind of cool. And then they're by the Sea of Galilee, and he's like, hey, let's go to the other side. And all of them went, <laughs> we're out. No, oh, look at the time, it's dark. So they leave at night, which you're never supposed to do, go sailing at night. <laughs> Those are bad days. So they all load into these boats. They're like 27, 8 feet long, 7 feet wide. Got a little custom bunk in the back where you can get down to sleep. And, and the, you know, it's some things where you put the sails up and it just goes. And you can try to row, but it doesn't work that way. It just, it's a sailboat. And so it's fishing boats. So it's big, huge, wooden, not very good at steering boat. And they load them up and they go to the other side. The other side is known as the Decapolis area. Decapolis meaning 10. There's these 10 cities over there. A Jewish person would never, never go to the Decapolis area. If you know history, a lot of some of you are history lovers. I am. Uh, the history is this. Uh, the Greeks took over the world. And when Alexander the Great died, he was like, generals, I will give you property. And he gave all of his generals things and said, you will build fortified cities. You will take Hellenism teach all my Greek t traditions, uh, the whole idea of the body and the mind and the Greek teaching everywhere. So these two generals uh, built 10 cities, unbelievably fortified, beautiful cities on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And what happened when the Romans took over the Greeks were, they were like, man, these, these fortresses, they're nice. They have big walls. They have marble streets. All of the walls and everything was decorated with mosaic uh, decorations, the entire walls. Their entire city had running water. It had fountains. It had gardens. And these things were unbelievable. Even to the Jewish people, they were like, dude, we should go over there just to check it out. Oh, but we can't. Because those cities, the Decapolis area, was described with one word. Evil. Oh, it was, it was some violent people over there. Some crazy things. Some scary things. Those things that you don't talk about. You're like Jewish people, are like, yeah, we don't go over there. They, their diet was offensive. It was known for the largest pig population ever. Like everyone ate pork. They like, and the Jewish people said, we don't eat pigs, so we can't go there. We can't go there because they sacrifice people to their Roman gods. We can't go there because of all this, all this sex and all this evil. We just can't go over there. And Jesus goes, hey, uh, you want to follow me? Let's go somewhere dangerous. And they're like, <laughs> crying. They get in the boat. They get a little ways out. And what happens? Oh, I don't know nothing. Uh, wrong. And leaving the crowd, they took with him them boats, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. So there's more than one. And the great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Man overboard is sinking. But he was in the stern. He, Jesus, asleep on a cushion. <laughs> That makes me laugh. And they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are dying, perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this guy? Not even the wind and the sea obey him. And there's this huge wow. The fear there isn't that they were afraid of him. It's a fear of awe for him. It's like, oh, you saved our lives, but you just did something that we know only God can do. 
Nature just obeyed you. When you said you created it earlier, we thought you were, but now we get, we're, we're a little, we'll get it now. You're, you're like, you just told, everything stopped. I wanted to be in the boat. I'm like, yeah, we're going to sink and die. Yeah, throw the middle schoolers out first. Yeah, and, and they're like, no, I mean, I mean throw high schoolers. And, and so you're in the boat, and water's coming in, and you're cheering because you, you're dead. You do not swim to the shore. You do not go, uh, life jackets, they didn't have them. They were just like, okay, if it sinks, we're dead. And, and then all of a sudden, it gets up and goes, boom, and even the waves stop. Like, hey, what happened to those waves? Where's the wind? There's still water in the boat, but uh, you, know, you, can, you can bail that out. And so everything changes, and uh, my point there was simple. It's wow. It's wow at his power. Why are his power? It's a simple message, but I wanted to make it simple so that it sticks, because every time you and I see this miraculous thing in the universe, with the creation, with anything with God, you and I need to stop and just go, wow. Uh, that's incredible. So they both said, they get through this long storm. They think they're going to die. Jesus is sleeping. They wake him up. <laughs> Don't you care? No, I'm sleeping. Um, and, he, and he calms everything with a couple of words. Wowed his power. Uh, this is probably the first time I think the disciples really started to understand who he was, calming the storm. And then and there's a point in there where they have to choose, am I in? But let me tell you what's going on in their mind. In their mind, they're saying, we shouldn't have gone. This is exactly what we thought would happen. We are going to the other side. We're going more evil exists, where Satan is running his demons, and now we've had this storm, and who knows what's going to happen next. We, we can't even believe we survived. It's morning, and, and it's like Dana. Yeah, my, my son Dana. He's a youth pastor in, in Idaho, but when he was five, he believed with every part of his body that he was indeed Godzilla. Now, I have four kids. Three are normal, and um, the fourth one, not so much. And uh, so he, I hope he doesn't see this. Um, I love that little kid. He was born late. We had seven years after the other kids. He comes along. They're all not, you know, beautiful little kids. He's blonde. And, uh, and he's just like, hey, Allah, I'm Godzilla. Oh, great. And he, would, he watched too many movies with the older kids. He really believed it. So I'm downstairs one day, and I hear this, oh, Godzilla! And I'm, our basement windows are like four feet underground. I'm thinking, oh, there's Godzilla. And, and the dog comes flying down. It's like a four-foot drop from the t- ground down to the bottom. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that dog too much. And it's like, ah, ah! I'm like, yeah, me too. I don't like him either. But then I look up, and he's still saying he's Godzilla, only now he has a rock about this big. And he's like, and he can barely hold it over his head. I'm thinking, maybe he'll just drop it on his own head, and this could be funny. But no, he's like, I am Godzilla! Pew! the dog just in time jumps out of the way. I'm like, that's a smart dog. I should like the dog. And he's jumping back, and do- another rock comes. And I'm screaming, Dana! And Josh, the, you know, the high school student, 17, is going, oh, this is going to be interesting. This will be good. Oh, I wonder who's going to die first, Dana or the dog. I wonder what mom's going to do when she catches him. And all of a sudden, another rock hits the window, and the window shatters into glass. And he's like, oh, now he busted my window. It's going to be cold. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? He's up there killing the dog. So I go running upstairs. And by the time I got up there, Tracy had got him. It was a bad day for Dana. The dog survived fine. It never got hit. No glass. Nothing wrong with it. Okay, just write that down. <laughs> Please. And, uh, but Dana, not so much. The next day I get up and Dana's got one of those dog cones on his head. <laughs> and it says, not Godzilla. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's the cone of shame there, buddy. I'm pretty sorry. He's like, I know, mom won't take it off. 
man, I was like, you know what, though? That dog did everything Dana said now. I couldn't get that dog to do anything. It wouldn't leave, come, roll over. I just said, you're just a stupid dog. But Dana would walk out and go, Nikki. And that dog would go, yes? And because there was this automatic fear, right? He's like, he, he will kill me with rocks. I'll do whatever. And he'd go, go get your toys. And the dog would pick up all of its toys. And he would go, go get your ball. And he'd bring his ball back. I'm like, how did he do that? So I tried throwing rocks at the kids. No, I didn't. I, that didn't. That's not. There's this awe that you and I have of God. This wow, this peace where God is like, man, God, you just saved someone's life. You did a miracle. And we, we never stop and say wow enough. The disciples said wow. When we meet Jesus the Almighty, things get dangerous. But here's, the, I, I want to I just touch on this. He did question their faith. He kind of jumps on them a little bit and says, you know, where's your faith? Why do you have fear? And I live in a fearful world. I don't know about you, but man, my world's fearful. There's just so much going on. I, 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 I days can't even watch the news. It's just so fearful. And I'm reminded that this, that our faith is greater than any fear. Amen? Yeah? You can clap if you agree with that. Um, our response is that. Our faith is greater than any fear. And so here's Jesus saying, guys, um, let me calm the sea. Let me throw this around. Let me show you stuff. And they went, oh, oh I'm in. Oh, I get it. We do need to lose the fear and let God. All right, let's get into the story because it gets worse. <laughs> I like worse stories. Uh, chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea. Oh, here we are. To the count, uh, country of uh, the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they met out of the tombs. Oh, that's not good. A man with an unclean spirit. Uh, he lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been bound with uh, shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one, now that means Romans, those Roman guards that were probably the most efficient warriors ever, no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, oh, this is crazy, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Stop there for a second. I, I want to explain how this story is told in Matthew chapter 8. And Matthew is a little better writer. He sees everything. He says, hey, there's two guys, and here's what's going on. And they are, he uses the word violent in the Greek. It's this violent dude. Mark is a, kind of like me. He just sees one guy. I'm going to look at the one guy, probably because he had faith at the end, and the other guy didn't. I don't, we don't know why, but he just goes, hey, there's one guy. And uh, yeah, he's a pretty, pretty bad guy. Yeah, he's violent. But Matthew uses that word violent. They were violent people. You think of the walking dead running around? That's these guys. They lived in tombs. They were mostly caves. They probably ate off dead bodies. They had no clothes. They would take the bones and stones and cut themselves and run and scream at night. And, and your kids would be going to bed and you'd go, just ignore it, honey. It's okay. It's just the, the, the capitalist guys. We, we call them the men of the tombs. It's fine. Ah! Ah! You're like, it's okay. Just go to sleep. I'm not sleeping. And the disciples get out of the boat and go, yeah. Okay. Time's up, time to go. And they get back, and I can see them all diving, right? Peter's got his sword. I'll get my sword. And they're all diving. And Jesus stands there. Bring it. Come on. I'm waiting. And they're like, no! And the guy gets there and just falls on his knees. <laughs> like, I would have been that guy. Come on. 
you can come on, you weirdo. I'll, no, I would have ran. Um, but <laughs> do you have an axe? Um, here's this guy. He runs down, and the first thing he does is fall at Jesus' feet. Oh, boy, that's crazy. Keep, keep reading. And crying out with a loud voice, this is the, the demon-possessed man, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I uh, adjure you by God, do not torture me. For he was saying to him, this is what Jesus was saying, come out of him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, they have a little discussion with the demon, that's crazy, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them into the country. What? Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. <laughs> Poor pigs. <laughs> oh, they felt like my dog. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs and let us enter them. I don't know why. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out, a ton of them, and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned. Oh, boy. That's just a bad day. The herdsmen, the people watching the pigs, <laughs> just lost a bunch of money, <laughs> fled and told it to the city and the county, uh, country, and the people came to see what was uh, happening, and they came to Jesus, saw the demon-possessed man, uh-oh, the man, there's three miracles, the man who, was, uh, who had had the legion, sitting, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I don't know if you got that freak story there about these guys who cut themselves and run around and ah, ah, ah Jesus and he's like hey what's your name what just cast them get them out of here and they go don't send us too far away we like this place demons have favorite places what kind of craziness is this don't send us out we want to stay in this area can you just send us into the pigs let me tell you what the things I learned from this uh, demons have preferences and pigs can't fly I'm just saying, just in case you're wondering, pigs cannot fly, they all die. And there's those three miracles right in front of us of a man who's now sitting, who's clothed in his right mind. <laughs> and then the mob gets angry. Oh man, we gotta get rid of this guy. What are we doing here? We gotta get him out of here. This is not good. This is we're gonna No, he's just cost us a whole lot of money. Can you imagine? You're watching over 2,000 pigs, and they just jump in the lake and drown. You're like, dude, who are we going to blame now? Well, blame that crazy guy and that other guy in the robe that said goodbye to the spirits. It's crazy. And so the mob turns. Um, sometimes people are whoa at his power. Whoa. Oh, look at that. He can cast out demons. Whoa is the people's response. We don't want it anymore. We don't want you, Jesus. We don't want you here. We want you to leave. And it goes on and to finish that. Um, his right man. So those who'd been uh, seen and described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And he was getting into the boat. Oh, we'll finish that in a second. Jesus has power over Satan. He has power over the demons. And I'm not sure about all that weirdness about why demons went at a certain place, but I do know this. We all need to have a response to Jesus. It might be wow. I hope it's not woe. The people push Jesus out, afraid. And, and what we're really afraid of with Jesus gets deeper than the demon thing. What we really fear the dangerous part of following Jesus is this. 
we're in danger because we have to let go of who we are. I have to let go of the things I love. Money is not my God. I can't just watch whatever I want. I love my wife and only my wife. I have all these things that Jesus changed. I was the dangerous middle schooler when I was growing up. I fought, I cussed. If you messed with me, you better hope there's a God because I would take you down and beat you. So when a kid said, you should come to church, I was like, <laughs> let me say some cuss words at your church. And I did in church. I got sent home two weeks in a row. <laughs> you can't cuss in church. <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. And I'd cuss more about that. But when you and I say we want to live dangerously for Jesus, it means giving everything to him. We don't go, whoa, Jesus, you can't have this, you can't touch it. No, no, it's not that. So some of us need the challenge, yeah? The challenge is, man, I gotta give it up. I'm either gonna get in or out. It's time for me to start living for Jesus. And that's dangerous. You're gonna lose friends. You may not be popular. Some people are going to hate you. Your family might disown you. Everything that you think you're going to be in life doesn't really matter because it's all about Jesus. Oh, he'll bless you. And you'll have days where you, like me, thought, this is my last day on this planet. How does the story end? The story ends with this. Danger is letting go of who we are. The danger is knowing that God wants to change our hearts. You can't stay with Jesus and stay the same. Let me say that again. You can't stay with Jesus and stay the same. But how does this end? All right, look at this. Um, as a man was getting in the boat, let's start at verse 18 of chapter 5. Um, I need to know what time it is. I don't know what time it is. Tell me what time it is, Paul. 7.47. Oh, we got lots of time. As he was getting into the boat, I got 45 more minutes. This is perfect. Um, the man who had been possessed with demons, okay, we know that, begged him that he might be able to be with him. Join his as a disciple. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, oh, wait, hold on. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had his mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. The words there is Amazed. It's the number one term used in Acts. Well, it's mostly used in Mark. Every time something happens, the people go, they're just amazed. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. If I'm one of the disciples, Jesus has taken me in. He's changed Peter. He's changed all these brothers. And you're hanging. And this dude just comes down and gets everything changed. Everything's different. And you're saying, that's the guy we want. Nobody's ever going to mess with us because that guy is now on our side. <laughs> His eyes are straight, but he still looks kind of weird, and all the people want to kill him. And everybody's like, man, that, you just cost me a lot of money in pigs, and who are you to just change everything, and, and what does this mean? And Jesus says, no, you don't get to get in the boat. A safe place. And the disciples go, What? We take every disciple that follows you into the boat. There's hundreds of people that follow you. Thousands. And, and you're saying, no. It's too safe. It's 
There's no danger in it. So what does he do? Um, you just need to go home. You need to go tell your friends, your family. You tell everybody. God's mercy. Oh, man. I want to hang out with that guy for five minutes. Just to hear him go, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to hang out with dead people. Really? Yeah, I used to eat them. I used to like cutting myself and bleeding on things. I like to go run around naked and scream on the mountaintops. I like to scare little children. Halloween was every day. They said I was the walking dead, but I'm worse than that. You couldn't kill me. You couldn't chain me up. Those Romans are wimps. That's the guy I want to hang out with. After he's changed, I'd be like, yeah, you met Demo here? This is Demon, and we don't know his real name. We just call him Demo Man, so he hangs out with us, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, he can have my spot in the boat. I'll swim. <laughs> Please, let him in. They're like, uh-uh. And he doesn't. He leaves. And Jesus gets in the boat and leaves, which I thought was interesting. I mean, he went all the way to the Catholic area. The, the, the disciples are like, yeah, going to the most evil spot in the world, and they do one thing and leave. I wish the story ended there, but it doesn't. It doesn't end there. You've got to make a little bit of jump, but it's pretty simple. Jesus only goes to the Decapolis area twice. It's only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. Twice, he goes to that area. The next time is over, and you can turn with me if you want, over to chapter 7. Oh, I like this. I like this. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, best part of the story. And my last point. Well, let me find out where it is. All right, it's over in chapter 7, verse 31. Then he returned. Now, this is Jesus. They've been out doing some um, miracles. They've been up in Tyre. They turned the region of Tyre. They went through Sidon over to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. Three months later. Three months. Second time in. What happens then? He goes through, heals a few people, and then in chapter 8, we have the second, we call second feeding, but there's this big feeding. All these people on hillsides, and Jesus is like, man, every time I get a big group together, I just have compassion. We're out in the desert. There's nowhere to get food. Let's feed them. The number here, in Mark chapter 8, is 4,000. But you and I know that uh, numbers those days, they just only counted men above, over, older than 12. So you've got children and women, probably more like 10,000. Eight to 10,000 people have never seen Jesus. They've probably heard of him. He comes in and they fill the place. How did they know? Who told all those people in the most sinful place on earth where everything horrible is happening, they have other gods, they don't even believe in Jehovah, they, won't, they hate Jewish people, and yet all these people know about Jehovah God who are waiting for Jesus. Because one guy who used to run around with dead people is telling them how he's alive. Yeah. He went and told everybody. And everybody knew him. Um, hang on. Um, dude, you used to be the guy. You know the guy? You, you were the guy, and now you're the guy. <laughs> this is awesome! We have to meet Jesus. And they did. And he goes through and performs miracles, and he feeds these people, and there's this beautiful scene of mercy. 
So, friends, what does it mean to live dangerously for God? What does that mean? How do you explain that? I think it starts with um, some decisions, heart, heart decisions of saying, God, I've got to let go of some areas in my life. I've got to trust you with my fears. And the last point is, um, let's go. Let's go. Why are we sitting here waiting? Let's go. Let's get up. Let's go out and let's change the world. Let's stop saying we just, uh, we just go to church and hang out. Let's do it. I'm begging you to come with me. It starts in a couple weeks with a thing called um, everything. Some of you tonight are going, Tony, I've never made that choice. When you make a choice to follow Jesus, there's this radical conversion, this radical thing that changes everything that you know and think. And some of you are like, man, I don't know if I've experienced that yet. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I need to know more. Come talk to somebody. I'm encouraging that, that group, which was me back there in the back row, when a speaker said, hey, you all come to a convention. I'm like, Pfft. I did go to the convention and it changed everything. I'm begging you to come to the convention, the conference, and you just give it. You just give it time. You sit with some Christian people, you meet some other Christians from other churches, and listen to speakers and band, just worship, and you're going to be like, I'm in. I'm ready to change everything. And some of you are in a place where you've given God everything, but you're just not sure about what to do next, and what does it mean to live dangerously? I can tell you, invite someone that would never, that your mind right now would go, they'll never go to church. I want you to find the worst person you know. I mean, the roughest, worst. Uh, hi, uh, my name's Tony, and do you want to go to a winter uh, conference called Everything? No, get out of my face! Okay, but you should come because it'll change everything. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it did to me. He changed everything for me. All of us have stories. Now, most of you aren't as bad as the guy with the demon-possessed that runs around naked. I'm just saying. Some of you middle schoolers are bad, but not that bad, okay? Because you know I love you, but, but man, you have stories, don't we? How God has changed our heart. How he's given us forgiveness for people that we would never forgive. How we love people that we'd never love. You know what doesn't exist in this room? Racism. At all. Do you know what exists in this room? Love. We love enemies. We love those who are hard to love. We reach out to those. We reach out to those in need. So I'm asking you, let's go. And I want us to all get to this, con- this conference, this, this great time, and I am bringing in some dangerous things, just so you know, pushing that, pushing that bar a little bit. The, even the elders are like, what? Wait, we got to check with insurance. That's a good thing because that's what I want, but I want you there. And I want one of your friends there because they need to hear this. When you meet Jesus, it changes everything. And when everything changes, man, it's powerful and dangerous. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Man, Lord, you are so good to us. Father, there are times when we fear you and we shouldn't. We know we should trust you. Father, we know that you, uh, you push us with Jesus to live 
dangerously. And Father, the hardest thing in life is for me to give up. It's for us to give up who we are and what we want to do with our lives and our savings and all those things. And we just want to follow you. So tonight, God, we come to you humbly saying we, uh, we, we desire your mercy. We want to say wow to your power. We want to jump in and live dangerously to invite those who have never, never had a chance to hear about you. God, we want to see your miracles working through lives. People's changed lives. God, we're so excited. We're excited about everything to do with Winter Conference because everything is going to be changed. God, thank you for that. Right now, thank you for that. You know, Lord, I love these students. And I just pray that you give them boldness, that you continue to push their hearts to love, uh, that you uh, help them and I to understand forgiveness in a world that has none. God, I want us to live dangerously for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.